If you're here for the first time, I want to also thank you for being here with us, investing some of your morning with us. And actually, no matter who you are, thank you for coming today. You had the perfect excuse. It's bitter cold out there. The roads aren't perfect. It's really windy. You could have said, I just got to stay at home. And you don't have to tell me if you thought about that or not. That's fine. I get it. Uh, But you decided you made this choice to come here. So I thank you for that. Right now, we are in part two of a four-week series called... Learn, live, learn, love, live, lead like Jesus. And today we're talking about love. Now, love is something that I can look back to high school and I knew that I wanted love. I didn't really understand what love was. I couldn't maybe put that into words, but I knew I wanted some relationship that had to do with love. And so my answer to that was to find a girlfriend. I thought like that would maybe like fulfill the need I had. So I, I after watching plenty of romantic comedies, I thought, you know what? I could make this happen. So I remember I was in marching band and I played the tenor saxophone and I was very poor at the tenor saxophone. I'm still probably poor at the tenor saxophone today uh, because it's been 20 years since I've played it. But I remember one day I played the halftime show with the band. It wasn't just me. With the band and we did a pretty good job. And I felt like I did maybe my best job ever. I played notes the whole time through. Maybe not the right notes, but I certainly played notes. And I got off the stage and I was just so filled with adrenaline. I was so excited that I saw this girl that I kind of liked and she was two years older than me, but I thought that's that's nothing. Like if this was, again, a movie, no worries about that. So I thought if, if I was going to make her my girlfriend, I should do the responsible thing and go over there and just kiss her and just hope that she fell in love with me. <laughs> um. I did. Oh, oh, I tried. I went over and I puckered up and I leaned in and I closed my eyes and I got her cheek, which looking back, that was a kindness to her. She could have slapped me. And I didn't get that. I got the cheek and she looked at me with this shocked face and said, Alex, I'm dating one of your best friends, Ted. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, my bad. I just do this to all of my friends. It's fine. Just excited about the show. It's okay. But that didn't deter me completely. There was this girl named Melanie who was going to our youth group at the time, and, and I kind of knew Melanie. So I thought, yeah, this is going to work out too. So I called her house. So I did the, the due diligence this time. I called her house. Her dad picked up the phone, which is really nerve-wracking. And I said, can you put Melanie on the phone? I said, hey, Melanie, this is Alex. You know me, right? She's like, yeah. I said, do you want to be my girlfriend? And she said yes, which is pretty wild. And so I said, okay, can we go on a date? At the time, I couldn't drive. And dating without driving is kind of weird. So I was like, can my dad drop me off at your house and we could watch something on TV? And she was like, sure. So it was March at the time. And I don't know if anyone's familiar, but there's this big college tournament in March called March Madness. That's really cool to watch. So I got there and I was like, we should watch March Madness because I'm romantic like that. And uh, we, we sat down. Well, she sat down. I actually laid out on the couch, just lounged. I just made myself at home, uh, which was the request she made of me, make yourself at home. And for four hours, we watched basketball and it was awesome. Um, Unfortunately, after that date, she dumped me uh, for whatever reason. And she said she would much rather date my friend Kevin than me. Um, And I learned, don't introduce your girlfriends to your handsome friends. But that moment still 
sticks with me to this day of like, I was looking for something that I was trying to have someone else fulfill in my life. And it just wasn't working. Thankfully, I was a part of a youth group at that time. And over the years of being at youth group, I started to realize that this love relationship that I was desiring in my heart wasn't from a person, it was from God. And the way that the leaders, the way that the students showed love to me was this incredible way of caring for me when I didn't deserve it because I never acted like, uh, I don't know, that I wanted to be there. I treated people poorly, but they continued to love me. And eventually I encountered Jesus And he had been pursuing me, but I finally turned to him and I gave my life over to him as Lord and Savior. And I got to tell you, the love of Jesus dramatically changed my life. It changed everything about me. From that moment on, I was different. And over these last 20 years, when I have looked around the world, I've encountered people in churches, I've, I've talked to people about Jesus, and what I continue to hear over and over is that the love of Jesus is still transforming lives 2,000 years after he walked this earth. The love of Jesus still changes people's lives today just as it did when he walked this earth. And that's because what Jesus does is he unites us in a relationship, a loving relationship with God the Father. And that's how we were created to exist. So while I was looking for love, I was really looking for this love of the Father. Now, I won't tell you that I was always in anguish for this. I was always saying, oh, I have this God-sized heart, a hole in my heart, and I need God to fill it. I didn't really know what to, to say about it, but I did know there were moments where I felt like I wasn't whole, that I wasn't complete, that there was something lacking. And thankfully, I found Jesus, and that's what I was missing. And that's why Jesus came, to help us be whole again, to come into this relationship with God. And this is why when people would ask Jesus big questions, religious leaders asking him questions like, how do I get to eternal life? Or what is the greatest commandment? He always used that as an opportunity to talk about the love of God and how we can enter into this loving relationship with the God of the universe. And this is precisely what happened one time when a religious leader came to talk to Jesus. And Jesus' disciple records it. And this is Matthew in chapter 22. And this is what Matthew records. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So Jesus responded to their question, what's the most important commandment? And he recited that commandment. Now, it could be easy to think, well, wait a second, Jesus. There are 10 commandments. They are very popular. Why didn't you pick one of them? But in truth, in the Old Testament, there were 613 commandments. So Jesus picked a different one than the 10 commandments. But it wasn't at random. It wasn't just, I'm just going to pick this one and share it. He shared a specific verse that the Jewish people would have known very dearly. It'd be kind of like if we were in a conversation and you told me thank you and I responded with my pleasure, we would immediately think of, wow, okay, a couple people have been to Chick-fil-A before. Um, Yes, we would think of Chick-fil-A. Okay, let me just do it again because I feel like that was just so deflating. Um, So if, if you said thank you and I said my pleasure, we might respond with, or we might think of, Wow, yeah, we're on the same page here. That's great. And maybe we'd get a little hungry. And so Chick-fil-A would be on our minds. And in the same way, when Jesus responded with, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, what would come up in the minds of the Jewish listeners at that time was a prayer called the Shema. 
Now, this prayer was one that the Jewish people would recite every morning and evening as a way to devote themselves to God. They would pray this over and over so they knew it intimately. And so when Jesus talked about this verse, they would have thought of that prayer. And it makes sense because the prayer encapsulates what Jesus said. You see, the Shema really is just the Hebrew word to listen. And so the verse, Deuteronomy 6, chapter 4 and 5, that Jesus was quoting, starts with the word listen. This is where they get the Shema. So let's look at the Shema, what they would have been thinking about as Jesus answered their question. It says this, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. So Jesus quoted this, not just because the people knew about it, because in its verses, very quick two verses, carry a deep meaning for how we can encounter God and how we are called to love him. And it's not just a command at the beginning of it, Shema, to hear the words of God. It's actually a command to listen and obey. And those are two different things. We can hear someone talk, but if we don't actually pay attention to them, we don't actually engage with them in conversation, we're, we're not actually, shem, we're not doing the Shema that, that God has called us to do. So whenever we hear God's word, we have a choice. We just let it go in our ear and out the other, or do we actively engage with what he's calling us to do? And so at the very beginning of this, that's what the command is, to listen and obey. So let's look at what God has called us to listen to. Well, you see, God says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And just as diving into the meaning of the Shema helps us understand what God is setting us up for, when we dive into the Hebrew words for heart and soul and strength, we're going to get a little better picture of what God is calling us to do. So let's start with how God calls us to love him with all of our heart. In the Hebrew language, which the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, the word for heart is the word lev. And lev meant not only your physical heart, which the ancient Israelites knew you needed to survive in life, but it also meant your choices, your considerations, your actions, and even your wisdom as well. They said it all came from your heart because they didn't understand about the mind yet. We wouldn't, as a people, understand that till later. Greek philosophers talked about it. Jesus talked about it. But the ancient Israelites had no understanding of the mind. And so when they said heart, it encapsulated all of that, all of our decision-making, all of our connections that we would make. And so when we're called to love our God with our heart, it's really all of our thoughts as well as our actions. And the Bible Project, which is a great resource to understand what the words originally were in the Bible and what they mean, uh, they have a good definition of what it means to love God with our love. And Tim Mackey at the Bible Project says this, every day God's people are called to devote to God their whole body and mind, their feelings and their desires, their future and their failures. So every choice, every decision, every thought can be seen as an act of love and worship to God. For instance, you coming here to church today was a choice that you made to show your love for God. Maybe you brought your whole family with you today. That was a choice to show love and devotion to God. And that's what we're called to do, to love him with our heart. We're also called to love our God with our soul, with our whole entire soul. And the Hebrew word for soul is the word nefesh. Now, nefesh doesn't actually translate directly to the word soul. It actually translates to the words throat 
or whole beings. And in God's word, it doesn't often talk about how we have a nephesh. It says we are a nephesh. It's talking about our whole entire being. And going back to the Bible project, Tim Mackey said this about our nephesh. He said, to love God with all of your nephesh means to devote your whole physical existence to your creator. It's about offering your entire being in the effort to love God and your neighbor as yourselves. So our lives, our bodies can be an act of worship to God. What we do with them, how we treat them, also what we put in them, what we're eating, what we're listening to, what we're we're viewing, all of that can be an act of worship to God. How do we love God with our nephesh? Well, if someone's hurting and we go over and care for them, maybe we give them a hug, that's one act of doing it. Or maybe we wake up early in the morning, maybe even before it's light, just like Jesus did, and we go and we speak to our Heavenly Father, we invest time with Him, we listen to Him, that's worshiping God with our whole being, with our nephesh, and we're called to do that. We're also called to love the Lord our God with all of our strength. Now, the word used in the Hebrew Bible for strength is the word me'od, which is actually an adverb. It means very or much. And so we can directly translate it to muchness, which sounds kind of funny when you talk about that way, to love the Lord your God with all your muchness, but it also kind of makes sense. It really means everything. Me'od isn't a thing. It's really everything about us. In God's word, if you were talked about being very happy, you'd be mayoed happy. And so with everything that comes from us, our muchness, we're called to love God. One more time from the Bible project, Tim Mackey said this, loving God with mayoed means devoting every possibility, opportunity, and capacity that you have to honoring God. Everything. In the Early translations of the Bible, the Greek translated mayo to strength. The, the, uh, well, Jesus, when he talked about it, talked about it as power, and he talked about it as your money as well. Or not your money, your mind. In the Aramaic translation, it did say wealth. And so like all of these words were translated from mayo to mean different things. And so it can be easy to go, okay, what is it? Is it your wealth? Is it your mind? Is it your strength? Is it your power? But the answer is it's all of them. Every ability or capacity that we have can be offered to God in an act of worship because that's our muchness. And so God has called us to give over our whole being, to not hold anything back, to enter this love relationship completely. And that's the same way that God loves us. He sent his son to die on the cross for us. He did not hold that back so that we could enter this relationship. And he's called us to do the same thing. And that is precisely why Jesus responded to these big questions by talking about the Shema, answering the religious leaders by saying, we must love the Lord our God with everything we are. And when we look at the Shema through the lens of the Old Testament, it's pretty easy to see why Jesus then tacked on the additional challenge, the additional commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. And that's because when we love God, we're gonna love our neighbors. You can't really love God and hate your neighbors. When we love God, it's gonna end up being a byproduct of that love will be the love for other people. And this leads us to our take-home point. It's the one point that this message is all about to what I've been driving towards today that I believe if we apply to our lives, it will not only transform our lives, but those around us. And it's this, when we love God with our choices, our whole being, and our muchness, loving our neighbors will occur naturally. It'll happen. 
And this is what we saw in the life of Jesus. As he walked this earth, he loved God with everything he had. And because of that, he loved others as well. So what we're going to do right now is simply look at three ways, three ways that Jesus actively, because of his love for God, loved people that he encountered. And the first way is this, Jesus loved with words and actions, with both. One time, Jesus was walking and there was a huge crowd around him. And a woman came and she touched Jesus' robe. And when that happened, she was healed. Jesus healed her. And then he stopped the crowd because he wanted to find out who it was that he healed. And he looked at her whenever he finally just, he knew who it was. And he not only commended her faith, but he also called her daughter. The only one in God's word that is recorded where Jesus calls someone daughter. He loved her. He loved her with the action of healing and the words as well. We also see one time Jesus was talking with Mary and Martha, two of his friends. And Mary and Martha's brother, Lazarus, had just died. And so Jesus talks to them. He comforts them. He even weeps with them. But then he went and he brought Lazarus back from the dead. And when that happened, he loved not only with his words, but he also loved with his actions as well. And we'll do the same thing. When we love God with our everything, with our choices, with our whole beings, with our muchness, it's gonna translate into loving other people. This is precisely what the apostle Paul told the church in Ephesus. He said this, imitate God therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. When we listen to what God has commanded us to do and we love God, we are gonna love our spouses, our friends, our kids, our neighbors, our coworkers, just as God has called us to do. Our love for God will pour out as we imitate Jesus and with the lives around us. And practically, how do we do this? One way that we can do this is, is when you're in a conversation, think about maybe your neighbor or a friend or your spouse or your kid. In that conversation, we always have a choice. We can show them we love them, or we could tell them, or we could do both. So we can tell someone we love them, but then in that conversation, if we aren't paying attention to them, maybe we kind of drift off because we kind of get bored. Maybe we go to our phone in our pocket because it's like, well, what if I have a text? I kind of felt a buzz. It might not be a buzz, but let me just check it. And then you go, well, I might have an email and that might be important. And this happens to me. And I, honestly, this is something Rachel and I talked about the other day because I don't do a great job always with this with my kids. Sometimes they're talking about something that you've heard for like the thousandth time or they're playing with something. They're like, watch us play. And I'm like, how often can I watch you build that same thing? And eventually I go and I'm like, well, I just got to check one thing. And then it's like 15 minutes later, I bought three things. And I'm like, what just happened? And we, as people, can make the choice instead of that to give people attention. We can tell them we love them, but we can also show them with attention. And attention is a rare thing nowadays. People don't generally give you their undivided attention, but we can do that as an act of love. This is what God does for us. He gives us his undivided attention. When we call on him, he's there. He listens. This is what Jesus did to the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years that, that was healed. He, he parted the crowd and he talked directly to her. And we can do the same thing. We can also love with our words and actions by not only saying we love the people that God loves, but we can actively look for ways to love people who are far from God. 
We can create margin in our schedule to have conversations with people who don't know Jesus. We can find ways, invite people over to our house or go out to, to eat with people or whatever it is to get together with others who don't know Jesus. And it can be easier to say, well, I just want to hang out with my friends. But if we are loving with words and actions, we'll make time to not just slow up so we can see, slow down rather, slow up, slow down so we can see who God has put in our path but then we will make time to invest in people that God loves. And this is how Jesus loved. And this is the second thing we're gonna look at because Jesus loved the lost. He made sure when he's on this earth to let everyone know that he didn't just come for the people who had it together. In fact, he came for those who are far from God. There was these people, the tax collectors, and tax collectors were kind of hated as just a general role. It's mainly because they stole money, but it was also just because people didn't like them. But Jesus really went against the, the trend. He went and called Matthew as one of his disciples, and Matthew was a tax collector. We've already read from Matthew's gospel today. But one time Jesus was walking, there's this guy, Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus had climbed a tree to see Jesus, and Jesus knew that this was one of those notorious sinners. I mean, people in the town all knew it. He's this guy that swindled money, and Jesus said, I want to go to your house and eat a meal. And everyone was kind of like shocked. Why would Jesus go to this guy's house? But at that house, Jesus talked to him and showed him the love of God. And it changed Zacchaeus' life. In fact, he ended up saying, I'm going to give money back. I'm going to give money back to the people I stole. And I'm not just going to give that money back. But I'm going to give more. I'm going to give four times as much. He was loving God with his muchness in that moment because he interacted with the love of Jesus, the love of God. And that will happen when we interact with people with the love of God. Jesus also loved Samaritans. Now, Samaritans doesn't maybe mean anything for us today, but the Jewish people did not like the Samaritans. It was even said that if a shadow of a Samaritan fell on a Jewish person, they were unclean and they had to go do rituals to get clean to go around other Jews again. So the disciples didn't often even venture with Jesus when he went into the, the Samaritan lands. And so one time though, Jesus had broken off from his disciples. They were shopping or something. And he goes to a well and he encounters this woman, which we're gonna read the account. But it's important to notice as well that Jewish men didn't often go and talk to women by themselves as well. Jesus was just not having anything to do with the nonsense of not caring for certain groups of people. He wanted to make sure that everyone knew that he came for them. And this is what happened in John 4, 7 through 10. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Jesus took this simple question as an opportunity to share with her the eternal love that God has for her and for all people. He continued to talk to her about this love and that's the same kind of love that he has for us. While we were so far from God, God showed his great love by sending Jesus. Not because he knew we were gonna get it all right someday, but because he loves us and wants us in this relationship with him, this complete relationship that he was willing to give everything for so we would join with him. While we were far from him, he died and then rose again so we could enter into this relationship with him. This is precisely what Paul said to the early church in Rome. He said, but God showing his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. 
And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. So we can do the same thing. We can love people as God loves us. We can love without discrimination. When people are not living like Jesus, we can still love them. We can reach out to people and show them the love of Jesus, even when they're not acting like Jesus. And honestly, if they don't know Jesus yet, there's no reason that they should be behaving like Jesus. But while we're doing that, while we're showing them that love, we can also show them the truth of Jesus. Because this is how Jesus lived, not just with love, but with truth as well. He wasn't afraid to disagree with people to point them to a relationship with God. He, in fact, cared more for people than their comfort. He didn't just care that someone was happy or liked him. He wanted to point them to a relationship with God. And we can do the same thing. We can disagree with people when they disagree with Jesus, and we can do that in love. We can care for them by pointing them to a relationship with God, which is what we were all designed to dwell in. And we know that if they come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that it will fulfill something that is lacking in them right now. So we can share love by also sharing the truth. And yes, that might mean that we have some hard conversations, but it's one of the ways that Jesus showed love to people. And it's the last way we're going to look at right now. Jesus loved people enough to have hard conversations with them. Loved people enough to have hard conversations about truth and love. He never just did one. He wanted to make sure people had a path to the Father because he cares so much about us that he does, does not want us to stay in our sin any longer because he knows that sin creates this bondage from us that keeps us from being who we're called to be. He wants to give us a truth because that sets us free and allows us to live as we were designed to live. Now, I know for me, it's sometimes very difficult with the hard conversation. Sometimes someone will text and say something like, can we talk? Or I have something I want to speak to you about. And in those moments, I feel honestly like Melanie's going to dump me for Kevin all over again. There's like, what did I do wrong? What do you have to talk to me about? What's going to happen? But I will tell you this. Over these last few years, the more and more I've encountered hard conversations, I've realized that when they're done in love, hard conversations can help us grow into who God is has made us to be. That if someone's coming to me in the love of Jesus and we have this conversation, that hard conversation is actually gonna make life better and make life easier because it's gonna draw us both into a better relationship with Jesus. And we can do that with the people around us. We can love people in such a way that draws them into relationship with Jesus. So with those who don't yet know Jesus, we can share the truth in love. In love is very important in that. And those who know Jesus, we can call them back to relationship with God. This is what James, the half-brother of Jesus, talked about in, in his book. He said this, My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings that, the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. How do we do that? Well, we choose to love people's eternal relationship with God over their temporary comfort on this earth. We can do that by sharing truth and love. It's one of the reasons I love having an accountability partner. My accountability partner, Greg, has full authority to call me out when I'm doing things like whining or complaining, and he does. When I, sometimes I'm talking about something that's going on and I'm kind of complaining, he'll say, hey, okay, what are you going to do about it next time? Or how can you act in such a way that it will be 
different whenever this happens again. And in those moments, I'll be honest, initially you get kind of angry. You're like, what are you doing? I'm just trying to like have this time of bonding with you. But every time I leave that and go, man, that's so true. I want to live like God has called us to live. I want to love like Jesus. And if I'm going to do that, I can't live like me anymore. I want to live like Jesus. And so as we think about encountering other people and having these hard conversations, let us love people like Jesus did, even when it's difficult. And ultimately, let's love like Jesus by loving God first. Let us listen to his words and love him with our choices, with all of our decisions, all of our thoughts, also with our whole beings and our muchness. And when we do that, it's gonna result in us loving others, loving them with our words and our actions. It'll be us loving people that are lost and it'll also be us. It'll look like us encountering people and having hard conversations in love. And when we do those things, we'll be able to shine the light of Jesus into this dark world that desperately needs Jesus. And when we do that, we'll give people an invitation to either come to know Jesus for the first time or it'll call people back to to have a deeper relationship with him. And we can do all of that through today's next step, which says, I will love God and others just like Jesus this week. Not all of that is easy, But God is able to help us to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. When we call upon God, we say, all right, God, help me to love like Jesus loves. He will fill us with his Holy Spirit. and He will move us to be able to love people the way that he loves us. Now, although these things that we're talking about today aren't easy, coming to Jesus, we often say here at New Life, is simple. It's as simple as ABC. And if you don't have this relationship with God, but you're sitting there thinking, I feel like I'm missing something right now, that I'm not whole yet, that I've been searching, I've been trying this, this, and this, and it's just not fulfilling me. I got to tell you, you were created to have a relationship with the God of the universe. And God wants you to make that happen today. He died and rose again for you so that you could have this relationship. And all he's asked us to do is first admit that, to admit that we're sinners, that we're not perfect, and that Jesus came to save us from sin and death. And we believe, we believe in Jesus as our Lord, our master, our owner, and our God, and our rescuer from sin and death. And we confess not only our sins, but Jesus as Lord and Savior and commit to living this life through the power of the Holy Spirit. So right now, what we're gonna do is we're gonna have a time of prayer. And if you've never trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior today, I wanna encourage you to make that choice. It will change your life forever. And after we pray a prayer to trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior for the first time, and I'm gonna pray as if I were you, and I'd encourage you to follow me along with your own words and and your thoughts and talk to the God of the universe. But after we do that, we're gonna pray for all of us to be able to have the ability to love as Jesus loves. Right now, would you please pray with me? Dear God, I thank you for being here and for loving us. I pray that right now you'll hear the prayer of all those who wanna know you for the first time as Lord and Savior. As we say, dear God, I believe you are the one true God. I believe your one and only son, Jesus, came to this earth, died, and rose again for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins and bring me into a full relationship with you. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and Holy Spirit, fill me and guide me every day pray this in Jesus' name. And dear God, for all of us, as we leave here today, let us leave knowing your great love for us and give us the power, Holy Spirit, to love others the same way that Jesus loves us. Help us to love you in the way that Jesus loves you. Help us to be able to love you with our whole being and our choices and our muchness and everything. Help us not leave anything behind. 
Give us the strength to let go of our lives so that you can take control. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.